0: Why am I depressed? Why am I having panic attacks? Why is this addiction back in my life? Why are we struggling yeah. so much in our marriage? We thought we got through the hard years. We mm. thought we right. got through 2020 and 2021. Right. And, and now that life is starting to look normal, some for some reason, all this stuff is coming up. Mm. And to be honest with you, as counselors, I think we know that that's normal. It's It's to be expected because when you're in it's- survival mode, You're literally there to survive.
1: Dear young married couple, we live in a very trigger avoiding culture. People say I'm triggered, so don't go there or don't talk to them or just, you know, leave him or leave her because they make me triggered. And what we're asking and thinking about today is, is that really a healthy way of living out your life?
2: Is there a better way to go about dealing with your triggers that is more honoring to God, to you, and to your world and the people you love? And the answer is yes. Today we got to talk with Deborah Felata and she's actually been on the podcast before, um, but she is a licensed professional counselor. She's an author of six books, including her most recent book called Reset. And she is a wealth of information. She's going to tell us today how to deal with these triggers from a Christian perspective. And it's very practical. We don't get too far into the weeds with theory here. You really get to hear some practical ways.
1: Yeah, here at Dear Our Merry Couple, we really want you to actually take action. It's not that we just want to talk about solutions, but our goal is to help us to become healthier families and really impact our community around us. So get a pen and paper, listen, I know it'll be inspiring, and take action.
2: Welcome back to the podcast, Deborah. We're so happy to have you on again. Welcome. It's good to be with you guys again. Ah.
0: It's always a good sign when you get another invite to a podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) True.
2: Your last episode made such an impact. So for those who haven't listened yet, search Deborah's name into um, your search bar for your library and look up the last episode where she was on with um, Gary Thomas on our podcast talking about married sex. Um, It was excellent. Um, But this time we're talking about a reset and everything that comes along with needing a reset, getting a reset, the benefits of a reset. And um, so we're going to dig right in.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, w- what brought up the desire to write about Reset? Like, why do that?
0: Yeah. Well, I would say this. The past couple of years, I think, have been hard on a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. Starting 2020. I mean, the world was like in a state of chaos for quite yeah. some time. Everything changed. You didn't know what to expect there was grief and loss and pain and and for quite some time i would say we were all in survival mode and
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and what's interesting about that is people are now starting to see the effects of what happened those first two to three years mm-hmm. and i'm seeing people come into my counseling office and they're having all of these things come up to the surface of their life that they've never dealt with before, or maybe they've dealt with a long time ago. And they're like, why is this coming back? Uh, why am I depressed? Why am I having panic attacks? Why is this addiction back in my life? Why are we struggling yeah. so much in our marriage? We thought we got through the hard years. We thought mm. we right. got through 2020 and 2021. And, right. and now that life is starting to look normal, some for some reason, all this stuff is coming up. Mm. And to be honest with you, as counselors, I think we know that that's normal. It's yeah. it's to be expected because when you're in survival mode, you're literally there to survive. When a when yeah. a soldier goes off to war, he is in survival mode. He's on the battlefield. And that's not the time to process the trauma right. or to, to check in with your feelings. It's the time to live and to right. get through it and to survive. Mm. And I think mm. here we are reaching a place where life is starting to feel safe and secure again. And just like when the soldier goes back home and life's finally safe and secure, the trauma begins to come up to the surface. It's like, you need to deal with me now. And it comes up in emotional, physical, and mental ways. And that's what I'm seeing happen now in our society. Things are coming up to the surface and it's like, it's time to deal with me now. And so this is kind of where the heart, of writing reset came of like, mm. now what, how do we deal with mm. all of this stuff? That's right. coming up to the surface of our lives. What do we do about it?
2: So you explain that to your client who says, why is this all coming back? I don't get it. I thought I dealt with this. I didn't realize I didn't.
1: Or it went away.
2: Right. It went away. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it
1: wasn't, I dealt with it.
2: Right. But it's it just, they felt like it was, it wasn't on the forefront. And so you explain And you know what's interesting them. how you say that, Adam, sometimes it, For some people, it went away because
0: there was so much other chaos to deal with. Mm -hmm. I was surviving. I'm not going to think about, you know, my broken leg when I'm on the battlefield trying to survive for my life. But then when you come out of that battlefield, you realize, oh, my leg's still broken. I was just ignoring it because there was a more severe pain. There was a more pressing issue. And so here we are kind of dealing with the after effects. And maybe the after effects are addictions that have resurfaced mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. marriage problems, marriage crisis yeah. that's in our life, mm-hmm. broken relationships, mm. panic attacks. Yeah. There's so much stuff that I think is coming so up to good. the surface. And just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're immune to that stuff. You know? right.
1: I love that. So uh, we I know we're going to get into, okay, what does the trauma look like? Or, or, you know, what are the, what are the things that we're talking about? Mm-hmm. But what do we do? Uh, Or maybe it's been my experience that I I find a lot of couples, they kind of find that peace, but it seems like they try to like, oh man, you know, there's danger with peace because all this stuff comes up. So we have to keep ourselves busy. We have to, you know, do these things to avoid looking at the problem. Exactly. Do you find that as well?
0: 100%. In fact, so, so the book Reset is broken up into 31 practices to help nice. you heal. Yes. And, and the subtitle is about is called Powerful Habits to Help You Own Your Thoughts, Understand Your Feelings, and Change Your mm. Life. And we're going to talk about that thoughts lead to feelings which lead to behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. So, right? So, So the idea here is all these practices help you get healthy. Mm. But the very first practice when you open the book, And I think it throws people off a little because you read the introduction where it says start here and you read the introduction and it kind of pumps you up. It's like, you're ready to go. The race is about to start. I'm ready to change. It has you identify something in your life that you need to change and you identify it and you're like, let's do this. And then you open to the first practice and it's like, pause. (laughs) Stop, pause. Like what? What do you mean? Ready, set, pause? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It, It feels so counterintuitive to our society of go, 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 go. Let's do this. Hustle, 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 work, work, work. But you can't really begin the process of healing until you stop and reflect and have insight. What is happening inside of me? Maybe I ask you the question, what do you really need to change in your life as the introduction poses? And you say, I don't actually know. Mm -hmm. Or you say, I've got a list of 500 things. I don't even know where to begin. Both of those are unhealthy. Like you have to have something that's coming up as a priority, something that's coming up to the surface of your life. And you have to stop and tune out the noise around you. So you Mm -hmm. can tune into the Holy spirit inside of you and what God is saying Mm -hmm. that you need to change and heal and work on. And I think tuning in is hard Mm -hmm. for people Like Mm. we don't even think about all the times that we have something in our ear, podcasts, music, Mm. kids, like TV, entertainment, busyness, and and tuning in. Like after every practice and reset, I have you do a practical activity. And the first activity is to literally put down your phone, find a chair, a quiet area, tune out the noise and sit for 10 minutes with yourself with absolutely no distractions it's like you read that and it's like that doesn't sound too bad and then you sit down and you try to do it and you're like it's only been two minutes <laughs> like this is <laughs> hard good.
2: yeah you know? yeah because people there's, don't there's do something. that these days like the only two minutes of nothing they have is the trying to get to sleep and they're still like having all these racing thoughts well,
1: that's probably exactly. because they haven't actually sat with their thoughts and turned things off
2: yes
0: exactly yeah. and your racing thoughts aren't necessarily the holy spirit either (laughs) so it's like tuning out the external noise and tuning out the racing thoughts Mm. and and being still long enough Mm. to know Mm. that he is god being still long enough to tune in to who he is and what he is doing and what he wants me to heal and change and grow and and honestly i think that's a practice that's truly been lost in our mm-hmm. society, but it's something that Jesus did often. Yeah. He withdrew yeah. to lonely places to connect with the father. He, to, in order to tune into the father, he had to tune out of everything else. And that's something we truly don't do often enough.
1: That is so good. I hadn't thought of that, that verse tune. Uh, what does it say? Like be still And know that I am God. Psalm 46. And and knowing, so the the Hebrew word know is actually the word for intimacy. Yeah. So to be still, it seems like being still is the pathway to being intimate. It's hard to be intimate if you're just frantically holding up life and plugging holes Mm -hmm. in the dam. Right. It's like we have to slow down and like, okay. (laughs) here's my priority. Let me be intimate with God so that I can receive from you that direction of where do I start? Where do I begin? What do I look?
0: Yeah. And I think this is biblical on so many levels. If I had to choose a verse for the entire book reset, if I had to choose one Bible verse, it would be Proverbs 20 verse five. Okay. Mm. And it says the purposes of a person's heart are like deep waters but a person of insight draws them out. So Mm. each one of us is like deep waters and you can live in deep waters and have no idea what's under there. But a person of insight, when you have wisdom, when you are an insightful person, you learn how to draw out the waters of your life. What is going on underneath the surface of my life? I would say that's the whole goal of reset is to realize that human beings are like a volcano. We've got all of this stuff underneath the surface of our lives brewing at all times. Mm. And if we don't have insight and deal with that stuff in a healthy way, it will explode. It will find the point of least resistance. It will come up like an emotional explosion and begin spilling over into every part of our life out of our control. Mm -hmm. And so, so we have to be people of insight and, you know, instead of just going, 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 distracting ourselves, keeping busy. And then we're stuck in this rut that we don't know how to get out of. It's like, Mm -hmm. Lord help us to begin the journey of healing and unpacking one layer at a time.
1: So good. Okay. So people now they've said, yes. Okay, Deborah, let's, let's slow this down and actually, you know, I'm going to take this journey and I'm going to follow your journey here. They take the steps. They, they're still now
2: they've taken inventory. Yeah.
1: And they know things need to change. What then should they start focusing on or could they start focusing on?
0: So I would say if, if we had to kind of narrow it down to a theme, there's 31 different practices, which I love how practical
2: that is, by the way, That's so thank
0: you. I love practical things too. too. I am like, tell me what to do. Like, Mm -hmm. let's not just talk theory. Let's just talk what actually works. How can you help me? And so these 31 practices are all just so different. And, and everything from dealing with your childhood wounds to learning how to breathe to setting boundaries. But I would say the main theme is your thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors, how are they all connected? Because so tell us, how us, are
2: they connected? When we when we want, when
0: I tell you, tell me something in your life you want to change. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, you're going to give me a behavior,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or some of the time you might give me a feeling, like I have mm-hmm. anger issues. But most of the time, it's going to be a behavior. I yeah. mm-hmm. want to stop yelling at my kids. I want to stop drinking so much at night. Mm-hmm. I want to stop having these explosive fights with my spouse. I want to mm-hmm. stop looking at pornography. I want to stop binge eating mm-hmm. and and gaining all this weight because I'm going mm-hmm. to food. Mm-hmm. So we want to change the behavior. But so often we want to change the behavior. So we start with behavior. Right. So it's like, OK, I want to I want to stop binge eating. So I'm going to clean out my pantry and join the gym, yep. which is great. But those external practices don't last very long. They pretty much will last as long as your willpower will last, which is usually like three months. Yes. Willpower (laughs) is is not
2: the key indicator here for success. (laughs)
1: Yep. Every January, by March.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every January, we all have these goals and dreams, and then Adam, you tell us
2: about what month does it all fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: Probably still in January.
2: Yeah, yeah seriously. Yeah, they I, I read a study that by January
1: nineteenth, uh, that's what I was. It was what
2: something like eighty yep. percent of Gosh, people. Oh, that's so early. I was going to get until at least March.
0: Yeah, the know. benefit
1: of the doubt, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but 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 but. Think about that. It doesn't work. Dealing with the exterior doesn't work. Jesus knew that. He always talked about like just being whitewashed on the outside, but really struggling on the inside. Mm -hmm. And, And oftentimes we try to deal with these external problems in external ways that don't last. And then we give up. We try again. We try the next diet. We try keto. We try this. We try that. We We do all the different things, and then we're back to where we started because Mm -hmm. it's not just about the exterior. It's about what's happening underneath the surface, and we realize that behind that behavior is a deep feeling, Mm -hmm. and underneath that feeling is a series of thoughts which are rooted in a belief system, and if I don't get to the roots of that belief system, I'm gonna keep repeating the pattern again and again and again. Mm -hmm. So really the whole book kind of guides you into unpacking your thoughts that lead to those feelings, addressing some of those feelings and understanding what they're telling you, Mm. and then slowly moving into some of those ways that you can actually help your behavior once you have dealt with your underlying thoughts and beliefs Mm. and feelings.
2: So good. Yeah. Okay, so let's say someone starts this process they've taken the inventory, they were still, they realize now that it's not just behavioral, there are thoughts and feelings under those behaviors that they need to address. And they seem like they're on the right track. And all of a sudden, something external comes in and they get sidetracked. We call it in our society, a trigger. I'm triggered, Deborah. I got triggered and I got thrown off. Talk to us about what people mean or what they think they mean when they say they're triggered.
0: Yeah, that's such a great segue. The truth is, triggers are everywhere. I mean, think about it. You could be driving on the way to church in the morning, and someone cuts you off, and Preach all of a it. sudden you are raging, <laughs> yeah. right? You've got this like irritable, annoyed, angry reaction.
1: Yeah, I needs a trigger... to work on that right there.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just I believe joking. it. <laughs> 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 I, I would, I would, I, I would define a trigger as an extraordinary or exaggerated emotional response. So when you look back at the situation, we all have those times where we have this exaggerated emotional response and Mm -hmm. we're like, I did, I react that way. Like a week Mm -hmm. later or the next morning or the next day when we're processing, it's like, that was a huge reaction. Sure, that thing hurt me but it was an exaggerated emotional response. So not every time you're hurt is a trigger, but it's the exaggerated emotional Mm -hmm. response where you look back and you're like, wow, I was really, that really got to me, you know? Right. And so when we think about that formula, thoughts lead to feelings, which then lead to behaviors. So getting triggered, that exaggerated emotional response would fall into the second part of that equation,
1: the feelings
0: portion. An exaggerated emotional response to something. And then when you get triggered, you usually do something, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So somebody cuts you off on your way to church and you start cussing them out in your car, (laughs) right? right? Road rage. Road rage. You start driving crazy. You're irritable the rest of the day. Or maybe your spouse says something to you and you feel extremely hurt. You're triggered, extremely hurt. So now you withdraw. You shut down, you give them the cold shoulder, you stop talking to them, you put yourself in your little hole, yeah. and that's your behavior. Mm-hmm. So so we really want to get to the root of that. If, if, the, if the trigger is that emotional response, that middle part to it that leads us to a behavior, well, we've got to back up and figure out, like, what is the underlying belief that's causing me to react in that way? Let's go back to the road rage example. He's triggered. Maybe the underlying belief is something like that person is disrespecting me Mm -hmm. by cutting me off. I am feeling disrespected. Mm -hmm. I am feeling, I'm feeling like I'm not valuable because they just cut me off. I'm feeling disrespected and unvaluable. That's Mm -hmm. the belief system. But
2: they don't realize it in the moment. They're just angry. Exactly.
0: They're just ticked off. The question is why? Like, what is the belief system? So whenever we're triggered, I always say this, triggers reveal what needs to be healed Mm. triggers are a sign that there is deeper healing work to be received there is deeper healing to be received in my life it is a sign of a Mm. sore spot that somebody just pressed up against Mm. and I see this in marriage counseling all the time if you think about a sore spot you know I was leaving the house the other day with the kids And it's like an Olympic event trying to get out of the house with all the gear and all the things. And I still have a two-year-old in the diaper bag and, you know, like, (laughs) let's get out of the house. And I'm rushing out of the house and I hit my arm on the coat rack and it left a black and blue sore spot. And later on, when my husband came to put his arm around me, he touched the sore spot and I reacted like, ah, that hurts. Mm -hmm. He didn't cause the sore spot, but he pressed against it. He pushed upon it. And here's why we're triggered, because we have sore spots in our lives that have Mm -hmm. come from previous hurt, previous trauma, previous experience, previous pain, previous wounding from childhood, from family of origin, from past relationships. Mm -hmm. And somebody is going to get close and start pushing on those wounds, whether or not they realize it it causes this reaction in us when somebody pushes on that source spot. So we have two options. Option number one is to cut everybody and everything out of our lives that gets close to that source spot. If someone triggers you, you cut them out of your life. They're no longer your friend. If you go to church and you hear a sermon that triggers you, you leave that church. Mm -hmm. If you read a book that triggers you, you throw it in the garbage. Or, (laughs) Or you say, okay, Why am I having this strong of an emotional response? Is there something here that needs to be healed? Is there something that God is spotlighting? Is this strong emotional response God's way of saying, hey, I want you to pay attention. There's something here that I want to heal in you. And oftentimes, as you guys know, it's, it's rooted in things from the past That's right. that are coming up in the present. You know, people are pushing against them. That's the number one thing I see in marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. And I do all these online, uh, on-air counseling sessions with couples. We call them live couples therapy. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, no matter what the superficial issue, it's almost always rooted in a deeper wound that came Way before marriage, right. from their family of origin, from their childhood, from their trauma, from their own insecurities. But when you get married, all of a sudden there is somebody there to push against your sore spots. I didn't think I had any sore spots until I got married, you know? Because <laughs> yes. yep. there's
2: nobody there to push up against them. Yeah. It's like that metaphor of the bridge, you know, like you are this side of the bridge, your spouse is this side of the bridge, you get married, and that bridge is joined. And you don't realize until you're married how many cracks are in that bridge until that two-ton truck just starts traveling over the bridge and reveals the cracks. Yeah. Like, Whoa, we have some things we need to work on to solidify this bridge. And yeah. that it's came so from true. the past.
1: I mean, and it's so easy too to look at your spouse as you're the issue. Yeah. I, exactly. I didn't have I didn't have these issues until you came along. <laughs> Enjoying the scene here. Right. So you're responsible for my triggers.
0: Yep. Yeah. Right. And that's not to say our spouse has no role, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. Like if my spouse knows I have a sore spot and he keeps pushing on it for fun, like we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is right. even recognizing I have a hurt here, mm-hmm. that I need to deal with it. I need to heal it. My spouse can't heal it. Yeah. Right. I need to heal it. And once I deal with my 80%, I can come to my spouse with the 20% and say, listen, it hurts me when you do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please do it differently. Here's how, Here's what would really be meaningful if you did it like this. I don't yeah. want you to do it this way anymore because it hurts me. Like we're allowed to tell our spouse right. and we're allowed to give feedback and we're allowed to ask for change. But I think oftentimes we default to that first mm-hmm. rather than ourselves first. But the Bible says, first, remove the plank From your own eye Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: that you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It doesn't Mm -hmm. say don't ever remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's good. There's going to be all kinds of specks in our brother's eye that we do need to remove. But first, to be more effective in removing the speck from their eye, I have to be able to see clearly. And I can't see clearly when I'm triggered left and right and all over the place. When I'm seeing Mm -hmm. red, I'm not seeing clearly. Mm -hmm. So first, deal with this. And then you'll be able to see clearly so that you can deal with that. So I'm not saying like you don't deal with what your spouse is doing. You don't set boundaries. I'm not saying anything like that. What I am saying is we have to start with our own feelings first. Hmm.
2: Yeah, that is a really good point, Deborah. So a lot of people, though, live their lives this way where they get triggered and I love how you gave the example of, they're just throwing away you know, that book or they're leaving that church or leaving that marriage. People live their lives that way. I can't be triggered by this, so I'm leaving
1: it. Running. What do they miss yeah. out
2: on when they do that?
1: We're gonna pause this interview because we have some very important information to give you right now.
2: Here's the deal. You feel like there are invisible barriers that get in the way of enjoying deeper intimacy and better sex. And even just becoming good friends with your spouse. And that also makes you feel really alone, like you're not a team. And then obviously the adventure in your sex life is not in the cards for you.
1: And then because the taboo is there, generally people don't know how to attack it. They don't know how to unpack it and achieve the deep levels of intimacy that are possible.
2: And people think that time heals. Like if we just stay married, then time will heal everything and it'll get better. But it's false. False, action over time heals. So you have to take action, guys.
1: Yes, so if you want the sex that God actually wants for your marriage, come and visit us at the Adventure and Intimacy Retreat East, and we will show you the steps to take.
2: Yes, you're gonna be able to get away from the stressors of life and work and ministry and kiddos and deadlines. And really, this is a beautiful beach backdrop with so many opportunities to adventure. But most importantly, it's going to be a place for the two of you to cast vision and draw a map for what you want to accomplish as a couple in your marriage, in your sex life, in your ministry.
1: Yeah, and it really is possible for you and your marriage. We've worked with literally thousands of couples and we see their marriages change and we know this can happen in your marriage.
2: Yes, so come join us at our upcoming Adventure and Intimacy Retreat in Myrtle Beach. The early bird deadline ends July 31st. Just click the link in the bio or click the link in the show notes or wherever you're listening or watching before July 31st to get that discount and you can register today. Yes,
1: make it a priority. No one else is going to make it a priority for you. So Mm -hmm. go talk to your spouse and let's do this.
2: People live their lives that way. I can't be triggered by this. So I'm leaving it running. What do they miss out on when they do that?
0: So much. Uh, Number one thing we miss out on is healing, you know, because that's an avoidant way to live. And we kind of live in that culture. The culture today is like if it triggers you, you run, you leave like it's a trigger avoidant culture, like trigger warning, trigger warning. This might trigger you trigger warning. So like, don't even go there rather than like what does it look like for us to lean into some of this stuff so that we can heal i shouldn't have that many triggers in my life and if i do it's a sign that i got some healing work to do and so i think instead of avoiding triggers they're an invitation to heal
1: Mm. in a
0: deeper way than we've ever healed before i feel like the lord is inviting us into a deeper journey of healing saying, "Hey." It's time to reset from some of these old hurts. Mm. It's time to reset from some of this unhealthy default thinking. It's time to reset from some of these toxic beliefs that you have carried about yourself and begin replacing your past trauma with God's truth. That's Mm. truly the only way that we can begin to heal and begin to reset and do things differently. And it has to start from the inside.
1: Mm. So beautiful. So what does it? triggered response look like versus a a healing versus and healed response mm. look like
0: i would say the triggered response is an exaggerated emotional re- response an exaggerated emotional reaction which then leads us to an unhealthy behavior okay mm. whereas a healthy response would be a emotional response that's not exaggerated, I just have a, a healthy normal response, that then I, I'm I'm moved into responding with a healthy behavior rather than reacting with an unhealthy behavior. Mm. So for example, I'll give you a great example in my own life. I went through a, a season of feeling triggered whenever my body was feeling a little bit off because I, I went through a near-death experience many years ago. And so whenever my body would feel a little off, I would feel triggered. Mm -hmm. Like Mm. going back to that fear, that exaggerated emotional response that something bad was gonna happen. Mm. And so how I would react to that in a health, and an unhealthy way is I would start to panic. Yeah. Mm. You know, I just my mind would start spinning with unhealthy thoughts and I would start to panic. And all of a sudden my whole body was reacting and truly would eventually lead me into a full blown panic attack of like, what's happening, am I gonna die? And and I had to get to a point where I could still feel that feeling of feeling off. Like let's say I got a headache, or let's say something was feeling off in my body. Instead of me reacting to this feeling, I'd have to stop and think, okay, my body went through trauma. And I hear here is this feeling again. I'm starting to feel worried. Here's the feeling of fear. How do I respond to it? I respond to it with truth. I am not dying. Right now I am safe. I'm in my house, I have support, I can call somebody for help, I need to focus in on my breathing, I have to remember that even though I was afraid back then, God has given me power today, Mm -hmm. my days are numbered, my days are in his hands, I don't even have to fear death when it comes, Mm -hmm. And, and responding to my fear and my trauma with truth would then bring my behaviors to a completely different place. Mm -hmm. And and so we have all these things that come up inside of us, or even in the middle of an argument with your spouse, like I'm feeling triggered. I feel like they're going to leave me because my dad left me when I was a child. And here we go again. And my husband's being okay. Stop and remind yourself of the truth of who Mm -hmm. you are, of what God is doing, of who your spouse really is, of what this actually means. It's, It's a fight over a bologna sandwich. It's not an actual like end of life crisis. Like, you really have to learn to slow down, mm. recognize your unhealthy default patterns of thinking yeah. and begin replacing them with truth. And I know it's not, I'm making it sound so easy, but obviously there's some work that goes right. into recognizing your unhealthy yes. default thinking and even being able to recognize it. But yeah. that's what I hope to help you do in this process little by little. Like we're going to look for patterns. We're going to do activities like writing down all your negative thoughts for 24 hours, for example. Mm -hmm. And then the next exercise is we look for patterns and we start naming those patterns. And then we start trying to find where those patterns came from in childhood. So there's work to be done. Yes.
2: But the work of healing is just so worth it. It is. And okay, so that's that was my next question was related to this work to be done. Your book is like several counseling sessions packed into this, you know, little handheld item and it's practical, it's, it prompts you to do, you know, a lot of that process oriented work. How would you recommend someone go through this book? Should they walk through it with a mentor, therapist, counselor, or is it something they would just do on their own?
0: I think different people have done it in different ways. I know that some people have walked through the journey with a counselor. And they're like, I want to have a guide as I'm going through this. And I know some people have had sessions with me as they're going through it or or their counselor. But I also know of a lot of people who've gone through it alone because it's written so that you can go through it alone. But I will tell you, it might bring up things that you haven't thought about that you realize, you know what, there's deeper work to be done here that I haven't ever thought about before. And maybe Mm -hmm. this is the time to commit to a series of counseling sessions. Sure. Because there is there is going to be stuff that comes up. I think that's part of the work of healing is that sometimes we uncover things that need to be uncovered. But we, when we uncover them in the right time and place and way, it's so much easier to do the work right. rather than when they come up on their own unexpectedly because we've been shoving them under the surface for as long as possible.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this will be my last question. I don't know if you have any more, but, um, I'm curious about the dynamic and you referred to it earlier as Christians, um, that we just, you know, kind of think that everything should be fine or go away once we receive the Holy spirit or, you know, that we, we won't have to process hard things or go through hard things as Christians. Um, if someone's dealing with that mindset or that narrative, And they're struggling with, do I really need to address things? What would you say to them? I would say that
0: it takes intentionality to be healthy. You are not healthy standing alone unless you put in the work. Just like with any other thing in life. Like if you told me that you were a natural marathon runner, or a natural Olympian, or a natural bodybuilder, I would say, yeah, right. (laughs) Like, you're not born that way. And, and and coming to Jesus doesn't automatically make you a natural Olympian the next day, right? Mm. You have to do the work to get yourself to a healthy place. You have to do the physical work, you have to go to the gym, you've got to work on your diet, you've got to, you you don't just wake up with a six pack, right? Yeah. Yeah, coming to Jesus does not automatically make you an emotionally mature person. Right. It does not automatically make you a mentally healthy person. It does not automatically take away all your past trauma history. But now you're equipped with a partner. You're equipped with a spirit. You're equipped with a guide to help you do the work. Mm. And so that's what I would say to everybody is my question would be how much work have you put in to the process of healing? How much intentionality Because I I truly think Jesus is longing to partner with us on the journey of Mm -hmm. healing rather than like take the ride for us. He wants to partner with us. That's why when he saw the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda, he asked him, do you want to be healed? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we say we want healing, but we really just want comfort. We really just want familiarity. So Jesus is like, I need to know, do you actually want to be healed? And if the answer is yes, then he says to him, the next line is, stretch out your hand. Mm. Do something about it. Show me that you actually believe and you're ready to do the work. And I think Jesus is offering us that invitation as well. Like, what is it in your life that you want to heal? And then my next question is, do you really want to be healed? Mm -hmm. Because if you do, he's offering a roadmap towards healing. He's offering his hand and he's our guide. That's the beautiful thing about it, you guys. I'm not just speaking as a counselor and doing this spiel. Like I truly see it played out in my clients' lives day in and day out. Yep. I've seen it in my life. I've seen the transformation work. I've seen the freedom from trauma and panic attacks. Mm-hmm. I have seen freedom from addictions in the yeah. lives of my clients. I have seen marriages restored and rebuilt. And I, yeah. I and I get to watch God do what he says he can do mm-hmm. when we're willing to, to begin a journey of healing. So I truly believe in it. And yeah. I'm so excited for the healing that God's going to pour out in many lives this coming year.
1: Yes.
2: Oh, Amen. You're s- preaching now, Deborah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love
1: that scriptural reference. Yes. You know, like if you want healing, there's going to be some stretching that has to happen. Mm-hmm. But stretching to... you
0: didn't even think you could do because you've been paralyzed for all these years but yes. Jesus like, no you can do it yeah take action yeah wow. with me you can do it you know so
1: good it's a mindset change yeah. 100 so, so good well tell us where people can find you like wow this is so amazing i love your info i love what you've done where can i find you
0: Well, lately, I've been hanging out a lot more on Instagram. So that's where you can find me, Instagram and Facebook, Deborah Fileta, F-I-L-E-T-A. And my website, DebraFileta.com, is where you can find me and the podcast and the books and the Counselors Network and my blog and all the different things that we're doing. um, The easiest way is DebraFileta.com. I've written six books. This is book number six. Yeah. Such a
1: accomplishment yeah well
0: thank you honestly the writing's part is the easy part it's everything else that goes with launching a book that i find a little bit more challenging mm-hmm. but
1: Aww.
0: i'm grateful that the writing is the easy part and you're an incredible and, um,
2: writer love well, your thank material thank you yes.
0: that's so kind of you it really is and and so all that information all the books all of that's at deborahflada.com but you can get reset anywhere books are sold on amazon or barnes and noble or wherever it's It's a big yellow cover. It's hard to miss with the word reset on the front.
2: Reset, 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 reset like (laughs) five times. We will link that in the show notes. So folks who are listening, if they're like, ah, I'm driving right now. I don't can't write it down. Just go to the show notes later and you can click on the link to go get her book and her resources. Deborah, thank you so much. We're going to close this episode out by asking you the same question we ask all of our interviewees and that is rewinding back to the first couple years of marriage and ask yourself, what advice do I wish I would have received? And then fill in the blank. Dear young married couple. Deal with your triggers and get healthy
0: standing alone. Mm deal you with go. your junk people deal Do with it. your junk because you bring it right into marriage and it explodes in there oh <laughs> so, so
1: true is. and once so- your junk is out of your house how much more peaceful and joyful and harmony you can have
0: yep god gives us marriage as an opportunity to heal on a deeper level i truly believe that me like, too if nobody's pushing on my buttons and sore spots and i don't even know i have anything to heal And may this be the year that God reveals to so many couples what they need to heal in their life as individuals. And may that
2: overflow
0: into the health of their marriage.
1: Amen.
2: Beautiful prayer to end this episode. Thank you, Deborah, for all you do to help those couples all over the world, those individuals. It's beautiful work. Thanks for having me.